This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Spoiler alert! What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to episode 42 of What Did You Watch This Week? My name is Mike. My name is John. And tonight's episode is the answer to the life, universe, and everything. That's pretty heavy. It's a lot to put on my shoulders like that, spur of the moment. I wasn't expecting this. Douglas Adams knew his stuff, so. All right, well, I guess we just need to jump right into it then. And and, uh, where where do you feel like starting today? Right at the very beginning. I've heard that it's a very good place to start. All right, then you you start us off then. Uh, I didn't have a lot of TV shows this week, obviously. Uh, it was nice to look at the DVR and see that some things are coming up pretty soon. You know, we're getting a few shows back this week, like Superstore and The Good Place and The Blacklist. And it'll be nice uh, to see those come back from hiatus. Uh, Grimm debuts this Friday, correct? Yes, 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 the final season. And then the new Wizard of Oz show yes. debuts right after that. Emerald City. You know, the previews for that look so good. I just have such reservations with NBC. Oh, absolutely. You They're going to trash it. They're going to get rid of it way too soon because it's NBC. Yeah. But anyhow... Um, so what did you watch this weekend, John? Well, uh, past Sunday, uh, I actually could have talked about it last week, but, you know, keeping the spirit alive of talking about Sunday stuff in the next week, uh, I held off. Just like I'm not going to talk about the first episode of Sherlock Season 4 that aired last night, because we're recording this on Monday. That'll be for next week's podcast. Oh, I, I haven't watched it yet. I'm watching it when we get done. Okay. I'm excited um, about it. Yes. Go ahead. So I did watch the Doctor Who Christmas special. And that was pretty interesting. They usually are. Yep, yep. This uh this one picked up after we last saw the Doctor. It's been a while. We haven't had any new episodes in quite a while. And when we had last seen him was in the episode The Husbands of River Song. And it was a very beautiful but very tragic episode because some people don't follow Doctor Who, so you won't understand all this. That's okay. Nobody's perfect. Um, but when we first met River Song, it was with David Tennant uh, in the library with the candlestick. <laughs> and uh, she Sorry. proved to be a very interesting character. She knew the Doctor. Um, she had a sonic screwdriver from him. She had a notebook that chronicled all of their adventures together and it was very full and she wouldn't let him see it. This is where we first got the phrase spoilers from because but she didn't want to spoil it ha- for him. She had to have the notebook though so she could keep track. Exactly. because of, of where they were in their relationship. Yes, because they were meeting out of order. This was the first yeah. time that the doctor had met River Song, but it was the day that she actually ended up dying inside the library. Yeah. So it was the last time she would ever see the doctor. 
which was very interesting. Um, it really set up some really good stories moving forward. Some really weird stories too, uh, in the Matt Smith years. Um, thought she was all but gone after the Matt Smith years, but she showed up in the, uh, in the Christmas special last time with Peter Capaldi and he met up with her and they had some adventures, including a robot that would take people and cut their heads off and use the heads. And, um, in the end, it turned out that her meeting with Peter Capaldi's doctor was the time that he gave her the sonic screwdriver and sent her off to die, essentially. He found out that this visit with her was the last time that she would be alive, and she was heading to the library next. So oh, wow. It, it all kind of came full circle. So this Christmas special, um, they touch upon that. They don't dwell upon it, but they touch upon it. And he's with uh, Nardole, who was one of the people that was with him when he was visiting with River, having his adventures. Nardole ended up losing his head to the robot, but the doctor reassembled him. And he's really a cool little companion. He's a dork. Um, but they made mention that it's been 24 years since he's done anything. He's shut himself off for 24 years since uh, that time with River. Because he lost somebody else, you know, he's just lost all these people so far and he was in mourning, but it was a, it was a good episode. It was not very Christmassy. You would not know that it was a Christmas episode, except for that they said in the beginning that it was Christmas time and a couple times you saw a Christmas tree, but this one involved a superhero because the doctor was trying to set up a antenna on a roof in a uh, metropolitan area. And this little boy came up to the roof and was talking to him about it and said that he had a cold and the doctor had him hold a uh, little crystal that was, there are only four of them in the universe and they're very powerful and they know exactly what you want and they'll draw it to them. So that's why he was setting it up in his antenna to draw what he wanted to him. And the boy thought it was medicine, so he swallowed it. And it turned him into a superhero, you know, the traditional Superman style, X-ray vision, flight, uh, super strength, bulletproof. And so later on in life, the doctor came back to see if it had, quote unquote, passed through his system. And we got to have a fun little adventure with the superhero trying to uh, play. His civilian job was nanny to the girl that he's been in love with since grade school. And he has a big crush on her, but she, of course, is doing the Lois Lane thing and having a crush on the superhero. So while a lot of the beats of the story were very familiar to anybody who's ever read a comic book or heard about a comic book, it was still very much fun to watch the doctor interact with him. That's cool. Yeah. At one point, they, uh, the reporter girl there had broken into a secret lab and she's sitting around the corner, like holding her breath because she's afraid that she's been spotted. And then the camera pans over a little bit and the doctor's standing there eating sushi, like very noisily eating sushi. And he goes, yeah, I'm an intruder too. I brought snacks. That's the sign of a professional. <laughs> And it's true. You think about it. So, uh, yeah. it was a very good episode. Um, the monsters were a little bit weird. Not sure why they kept pistols inside of their heads, but eh, it's Moffat's last year. He's got some creative license, I guess. And, uh, now we just have to wait until April to get the new companion, the new season of adventures. And then after that, Moffat is done. How do you feel about Moffat leaving the show? I feel good. Yeah, I don't hate Moffat, but I 
I liked him better as a writer. I loved Blink. Um, I loved most of the episodes that he wrote when Russell T. Davies was running the show, but I loved Russell T. Davies' direction of the show much better than I loved Moffat's. I felt that once Moffat got creative control, he went a little bit out of control. He started changing his own rules and, you know, doing things that made you really scratch your head and say, is this really canon? Is this really allowed? Um, Who's taking it over? uh, It's some upstart guy that's done a few little things. I, I only know that as I was reading what he's done, I was not that impressed. Yeah. Um, I think he's done a movie or something. He, he wasn't anybody that really impressed me much. It almost has seemed he, like they were bringing on young blood kind of thing. Has he had a hand in any of Doctor Who in the past? Uh, not that I'm aware of. No. Oh, that's odd then. Yeah. Because when Stephen Moffat took over, he'd been writing in some of the episodes and directed some and everything. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know, uh, he had a big hand in it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought Russell T. Davies did a great job. I mean, when I started watching, rewatching Doctor Who a few years ago, um, you know, starting over with the uh, 2005 relaunch. Yep. Um, with Rose and, uh, and the, uh, was it the ninth Doctor at that time? Yes. You know, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, David Tennant by far has been my favorite years, the 10th Doctor years. I mean, they were just amazing. That's the Russell T. Davies effect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the last four specials they did, um, the next Doctor, Planet of the Dead, The Water of Mars, The End of Time. I mean, amazing stuff. Yep. And the way they tied all the series, all the characters together and everything to really just kind of put a bow on that whole 10th Doctor years. They just, it was phenomenal. Um, Matt Smith was okay for me. I didn't, I didn't hate him, but I, you know, he was, he was okay. Um, the humor that David Tennant's doctor brought in was, you know, it was just, it's a completely different person playing the same character. And I like how they do that because it's the same person, but he has its own spin on it. Um, I didn't care for his final episodes though. No. I, I thought they were weak sauce massively. Uh, and then with Peter Capaldi, I was not a fan of his first season and I haven't yet watched series nine, his second season as the doctor, but I know you love it. So I, I need really to definitely, I mean, I need to definitely check it out sometime. So I got to take it back. Chris Chibnall is who's taking it over. Uh, apparently okay. he is the man behind Broadchurch, the original British version, not the Fox uh, bastardized version, which yeah. Broadchurch was very good. Actually, um, Broad, the British version of Broadchurch was very good. Yep. Uh, so it says here that he was the co-producer and de facto head writer of the first two seasons of Torchwood. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Notably, he wrote the finales for both series one and two and the opener for series two. Um, he's written so he several does have- episodes of Doctor Who, including Monster on a Spaceship Thriller 42, Silurian oh, Two-Parter, The Hungry Earth and the Cold Blood, and Family Friendly Romps Dinosaurs on a Spaceship and The Power of Three. The, it, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship was good. The Power of Three was pretty lame, I felt. Yeah. Um, but so, so he has he- had some, his hand in there somehow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, on a related note, I was shocked um, during the Christmas episode. It, of course, it's a BBC show. They had a commercial for a new show, and yeah. it was a lot of flashes of teenage kids and monsters. It looked like a horror show. Yeah. And it looked really good. Like, the more I saw of it, the more excited I got. And then at the end, the doctor was there. And it was a preview for the new spinoff show called Class. 
the one that's supposed to take place in the uh, the school that is part of the Doctor Who universe. Yep. It looked really good. Oh, nice. I was When's really that supposed stoked. to come out? Um, this year, I believe. I, I didn't Ooh. do my research on that one, but I should have. Uh, That's all right. Yeah. It, I, when I first heard about it, I was not impressed. I was like, come on, they're going to do a spinoff that takes place in a school. Yeah, Cole Hill School has been a feature of Doctor Who since the first episode, but now we get to see a day-to-day adventures of the students coping with intrusions from space and time. And uh looks like ooh, 2016. So October 29th of 2016 will be the first one right around Halloween. Good time for a nice little horror thing. Oh, so it aired already. Oh, no. Yeah, why? No, that can't be right. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it here. The show's already, the first eight episodes have already aired. Well, that's not right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they aired in Britain because I think I would have seen that. I, I would assume. Let's see here. Plus the preview I got, was saying that it was coming. It was on, it was on BBC three. Okay. It was on BBC three. So maybe it was the second season or what channel were you watching it on? BBC America? BBC America. So maybe. BBC America is where it's coming to. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, it says here release date 2017 USA. Yeah, okay. There you go. Yeah, so USA, just plain old 2017. Okay, so we'll get it soon. Whew. I'm starting to feel a little bit uh, weird there. See, the uh, DVD, Region 2 DVD and Blu-ray Worldwide release comes out January 16th, so if you don't want to wait, eh. you can order it. Get the it's Blu-ray of it. Too. I don't want to mess around with that. No, no, the the DVD is is worldwide. I mean, oh, okay. the Blu-ray is worldwide. The DVD is region two. Gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, how they do that now? You know, taking out the regions. Uh, I remember buying a uh, a bootleg Army of Darkness with the original ending and everything, and I got it. It was in friggin' PAL format back in the day <laughs> on the VHS VHS side of things. I was very upset. I bet. No way to watch it whatsoever. So, um, I watched a couple of movies. Okay. Uh, one of them I watched actually was, I saw it was on demand and I was bored. So I said, no, yeah, well, I'll just watch it. And I was the accountant, Ben Affleck. Oh yeah. So you can watch it digital right now, but it doesn't come out on DVD until the 10th, according to this. Um, so I, I like Ben Affleck. I, I like stuff he's in. And I know a lot of people don't, or they don't think he's great or whatever. I don't care, but I, I like him. I enjoyed this movie a lot. Okay. Uh, it's, um, Ben Affleck plays a character who is a highly functioning autistic, who is a, basically like a human calculator and a human death machine. Uh, <laughs> He basically he cooks the books for drug lords and other criminals and 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 when they don't uh when they don't have any more use for him and they try to just get rid of him because he's just an accountant. He has a particular set of skills that prevents <laughs> them from doing that. I know, I'm being cheesy as all hell. Um but basically the reason why he is the way he is is because uh his father was in the military and his father basically decided that the best way to cure his uh, high functioning autism is not to coddle him it's uh, it's essentially to not beat it out of him but very disciplined regimen of learning how to fight and making his son join the military and on and on and on and teaching him to shoot weapons and this and that so it's I don't know I I really enjoyed it uh, Anna Kendrick's in it she has a minor role basically um 
but yeah, I, I liked it a lot. So if you get a chance to check it out, it's a, it's definitely a good flick. A lot of some good action in it, some good fight sequences in it. Um, it's a good story. Cool. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Conversely, uh, there's a movie on Netflix right now called Traded. It is a Western type movie. Uh, essentially a guy's, it's essentially taken in the West is the way I would say the way based on the description. His daughter is, uh, I don't know. Taken goes off. Yeah, basically his daughter's kidnapped and sold into slavery or sex trade or something. I don't know because I didn't watch the whole thing. Okay. Uh, but that was basically like the synopsis of it. I'm like, and it's a Western. All right. Tom Sizemore's in it. I recognize some names. All right. I'll give it a watch. I got 10 minutes in and my review of the first 10 minutes is garbage. Absolutely unadulterated garbage like i hated it i stopped it i'm not ever gonna watch it again and my recommendation is don't bother wow yeah 10 minutes in 10 minutes and that might even be generous i mean the first bit of the movie first of all the acting was horrible uh it, it opens up with like a family in their house if you will on the prairie or whatever and was it a little house similar and so, like, they're, they're sitting down to eat breakfast, maybe, and the daughter's like, oh, dad, can I go off to this barn dance? And he's like, well, honey, no. And she's like, but, pa. <laughs> and he's like, you're my little girl, and I'm not going to have you going off being a trollop. And then mom's like, I'm going to send the son out to the to the get honey or eggs or something. I think it was honey. And so the little boy's like, all right. And he literally skips out the door <laughs> and literally skips across the yard to, to the where the honey is or something. And he gets up on the rock and he opens the thing and then you hear a rattle from a rattlesnake. And it's like, um, how can this kid not hear it? It is so blatantly obvious. And then it cuts back to inside and she's like, but pa... I just want to meet a man. My friend is 16 and she's already getting married. And he's like, well, I'm not your friend's dad. And then mom's like, why don't you go outside and see what's taking your brother so long? <laughs> and so she goes off and then she's like, you know, honey, it's just a dance. And he's like, well, you said you're dancing. Basically, he's like his wife danced, too. And she was like, yeah, but I was a whore. And that's when you found me. And she's just going to like a barn dance with a date. And it's oh, sorry, a tie dance where you bring a tie. It doesn't matter. It's fucking it's garbage. OK, it's just garbage. <laughs> the kid gets bit, bitten by the snake. He dies. The dad gets sad. It's the worst acting of sad I've ever seen. It is just garbage. Garbage, garbage, garbage. And if that doesn't encourage you to not watch it, I, I get, then I've got nothing for you. Okay. It's not even that good garbage where it's so bad it's good. It's just so bad that it's bad. <laughs> I see. And again, that's called traded. Excellent. I will avoid that one like the plague. You should. You should have. I wish sometimes you could just delete things off Netflix. So like <laughs> or block it or hide it. So that way it never pops up again in your timeline. So you don't, cause remember how sometimes you'll, you'll read something. Oh, that sounds pretty good. And then you'll watch it and you're like, Oh, that's garbage. And then you forget to rate it and you just move on with your life. And then six months later, it rears its ugly head again. And you're like, Oh, that sounds familiar. Kind of good. And then you start watching again. And you're like, Oh, wait. I've already watched this garbage. 
Has that ever happened? That's no. happened to me. That's, no. that's happened to that me. That has that's, never happened to me once. That has happened to me. So, yeah. Uh, and, and, and then conversely, I watched uh, another Western called In the Valley of Violence. came out on demand back in October. And this stars Ethan Hawke. I'm going to get her name wrong. But the Farmiga girl that's like Taisa or Tessa or whatever. Okay. Karen, Karen Gillian, Gillen's in Gillen. it. Gillen. And John Travolta. And it's a Western. It's written and directed by a guy named Ty West. And it looks, I mean, it's the style with what it shot, the look, the big broad landscape, broad landscape, uh, uh, photography, whatever you want to call it. Whatever. I can't think of the word right now. I apologize. But anyways, but the way it's shot, the look and the feel, it's like one of those classic spaghetti westerns. I mean, even with the soundtrack to it, how they do the opening credits. I mean, I really like this a lot. It was great. Um, Ethan Hawke is a drifter that comes into this desolate town of Denton where the sheriff, John Travolta, of course, is crooked. And after running with the local law, he is run out of town. Because John Travolta's like, you gotta go, and his right, his you know, his his wily, cocky deputy son's like, well, no, I gotta. He embarrassed me, so I gotta take care of him. And his dad's like, nope, you leave him alone. And of course, guess what happens? The son doesn't leave him alone, and something happens, which brings the drifter back to town so that he can get his revenge. And um, again, like I said, the look. The feel, I, I really liked it. It's a classic spaghetti western, and I was really loving it until about the last 10 or 15 minutes. Oh, no. When the, when the dialogue went right down the, right downhill. I mean, like, you've seen this happen before, and I still recommend you, you watch it, because it is a great movie, and the storyline's decent enough, and, and everything. But, like, you get, like, there's something happens where it's almost like they said, let's just improv the last 10 minutes of what we say. <laughs> so, so it goes from being like some pretty decent good dialogue and then it slowly starts to go downhill. And that's only in the last like 10 or 15 minutes of the movie. So, but still, just you can suffer through that to watch the rest of it. It's a good flick. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I can I can deal with that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's called In a Valley of Violence. So, in a I, valley I, or in the valley? In a valley of violence. Okay. So, and I would, I would watch it again, actually. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You I got uh, anything else new? Uh, I, it's kind of new and kind of not. Uh, a while back, several months ago, I was watching, um, a TV show on TBS that I kind of touched upon and then I stopped watching it. Like I watched the first three, maybe four episodes and then like there were conflicts and stuff. So I kind of fell out of it. And then this past week, TBS was doing this thing with all their original series where they were doing binges. So, you know, they put on all eight episodes of this show, the detour and you could watch them back to back. So I thought, Oh, well, you know, I, I can put it on in the background and I had forgotten how amusing and funny and awesome that show is. It's, one of those subversive and dry humor shows, you know, yep. one of the examples I was giving to somebody else was uh, the, the kids are standing there at the resort with their parents and the parents are arguing and, you know, mom's giving dad a cr- uh, hard time. She's like, so that was it. That was your whole plan. You you didn't have a plan B. It, that was it. And the daughter's like, mom, you didn't have a plan B when we, when you were pregnant with us. And she just like looks over at her daughter and goes, well, honey, it wasn't on the market at the time. 
And Dad goes, don't tell her that. Well, she doesn't know what it means. She can look it up. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up on my phone right now. Oh, God, why did you do this to me? It, that kind of stuff, just that quick, biting, subversive humor is definitely my speed. That's the kind of stuff that I like. Or, uh, you know, them trying to recount the tale of how they met and fell in love and had kids, and it was just gross. It was awful. It was them basically hating on each other. Uh, it culminated in her asking him one night, uh, did you take the condom off? And he's like, uh, I felt really good. And she's like, yeah, I felt really good too. But like, did you take it off? He goes, I don't know. Next scene, she's sitting up on the counter in the bathroom with her legs spread. He's got his flip phone with the uh, screen on using it as a flashlight, poking around and saying, yeah, there's definitely something in there. Okay. Well, you're going to have to reach in and get it out with my fingers. Well, what else do you expect to do? Next scene is her slapping. Hold him. On. This is on TBS. This is on TBS. Next scene okay. is her slapping him and yelling at him and saying, a Magnum? You are not a Magnum kind of guy. Why would you buy Magnums? And he goes, for the same reason that I don't buy skinny jeans, because I like to have a little room to move around in there. Oh my God, I saw that trailer. I saw that commercial or something somewhere. All right, sorry, keep going. It was so good. The show itself is just funny. Like, it follows this family. They're supposed to be going on a vacation because his work is having a retreat down in Daytona. And as the story unfolds, you know, you, you get bits and pieces where like he's sitting in the police station, explaining the story to them. They do the recaps of the episode before the police do. And it turns out that his company was putting some toxic chemicals in hand sanitizer. And he wanted to bring some of the samples of the hand sanitizer as proof so that his boss would get in trouble and he'd get his job back. Cause he got fired by that corrupt boss. It's just a riot. It's only eight episodes. They're half an hour each. And I mean, it involves them staying at a bed and breakfast that's, uh, hosted by a pedophile who is crushed because the community won't let him marry his 16 year old Russian bride. Um, good Lord. Yeah. It's really, it's called detour, the detour, the detour. Yeah. The second season is going to be starting on TBS soon. Apparently it's not on Hulu right now. Unfortunately. Oh, okay, that's actually what I was just going to go look up while yeah. you were talking. Yeah, yeah, I suggested it to someone, and they couldn't find it on Hulu, so I don't know. Maybe on TBS.com, but I, I watched all of it twice, mostly in the background, but it just really got me laughing. I really enjoyed it. Mm, nice. Yeah. I could use a show like that in my system. Yeah. Um, Have you watched – did you watch any more Travelers? I have I ha- finished Travelers. Okay. I watched three. I'm only on episode three. Like, I finished episode three. Okay. Um, I watched a couple other shows in the interim. I, I like Travelers. I definitely plan on finishing it. My buddy Aaron, Aaron Bell, you're familiar. He was saying, like, he got hooked. Like, I don't know what episode it was, four or five or something like that. And he just, he had to burn through the rest of it to watch it. And he's dying for season two. So yes. That, that's that's good. I could that's, concur with him. I will say yeah. this about the show. One of the reasons that I really liked it was, unlike shows like The OA or uh, a couple other ones that we've seen recently that I can't think of, but I probably will. God, oh, it's garbage. It, <laughs> it doesn't, like, not every episode is linked to the bigger mystery going on. Like, there's always that yes. thing going on in Travelers where you know that something happened in the future. But yep. every episode doesn't tease us with that. Every episode has its own thing to do. Yeah, they have the mythology, yep. overall mythology, but they do like the Monster of the Week episodes. But I will say that by the time you hit like the last 
two to three episodes, it all starts like it picks up pace fast and they're oh, all nice. tied into each other. And it's one of those, you can't just watch one of them. You have to sit there and binge all of them because it's like rapid fire right at you. That's cool. That That um, is a show that needs to be watched by a lot of people because it is good and it deserves a second season. And it's just awesome. Well, most likely I will be done watching it by next week. Excellent. Uh, and we can really break it down if you want to and Sounds dive into good. it. Yeah. I watched a show called Crazy Head. <laughs> I saw the first episode of that show. Nice, nice. And basically what it is, it's a British show. Uh, it aired British on show. huh? Very British show. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know uh what did I have? I think it aired on like Channel Four or something in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Six episodes premiered October two thousand sixteen on Channel Four in the UK, Netflix, it came out in December. Each episode is about forty five minutes long. Uh essentially you have Amy. Yeah, uh, who can you have Amy and, and Raquel and they both basically think that they have mental health issues. Okay. Real quick. Yeah. Did you have a hard time looking at Amy and not thinking she was a younger version of Alicia Silverstone? Oh, no, that wasn't my issue at all. My issue with Amy was when I initially saw like the, the, the cover box, if you will. Yep. I thought it was, uh, I can't think of her name now, the blonde chick from community. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, I know who you mean. And that's all I could Britta. see. Britta, yeah, whoever played Britta on Community, that's all I could see. And then obviously watching the first episode, I realized, oh, that's definitely not Britta. But no, I never saw the Alicia Silverstone in it. Oh, that's all I could see throughout the whole first episode. Huh. Oh, that's anyway, funny. continue. So yeah, basically Amy and Raquel, they, they think they have some sort of mental health issues because of things that they see. And we we meet Amy first, and, and basically she's uh, she runs into Raquel. Well, technically, we meet the girl in the trunk first, and they okay, do one yes. of those three days earlier things. Fair enough. We meet the girl in the trunk. We see Amy and Raquel together, and and basically, they're talking like we should already know what's happening, where they're going to do an exorcism, and Raquel tells Amy that, well, he needs, she needs to pee on her. <laughs> and she's like, what? Well, you have to put her scent on her. And she's like, well, then you pee on her. She's like, well, I can't. The tank's empty. I already I went pee before we came. <laughs> and so we're left with a scene of her pulling down her her tights and underwear and squatting down over a friend and then the awkward waiting of her trying to force herself to pee and then it cuts to three days earlier and I'm like I'm hooked. Yep. Like that opening, I'm completely hooked on this the, show. The fact that the girl looked up from the ground and she was like, Amy, I recognize that jacket. I gave you that jacket. Yes. Yes. Oh, they had masks on. Yep. Yes, evil clown right. masks. Yeah, evil clown masks on. Yep. That's when uh, I was hooked. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So basically Amy... Amy, okay, Amy and her friend Raquel, they end up fighting demons together. I'm not, I'll break it down a little bit easier than the way I was going to do it. They're seers. They can look at someone and see that they've been possessed. They can see, like, when the demon reveals themselves. It's like, it's almost like, what you call it, Resident Evil face from, like, the nose down onto the neck. It looks like there's, like, the flesh is being eaten away type of thing. Yeah, but it's got a little glowing ember thing, too. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, there's definitely some. It's not a gore fest as far as, like, Axe vs. Evil Dead or Standing against evil um but it's they're they're battling demons and the six episodes it's like the first five take place over a short period of time okay like 
couple of weeks, maybe, maybe three weeks. And then between five and six, there's like a gap, an unspecified gap between those. Okay. So each episode literally ends and the next one begins with the first where the previous one ended. Oh, like nice. they literally do the thing where they show the little teaser at the end. Like they show you the last, like, you know, 15 seconds of the previous episode and the next one picks right up where the, you know, where it left off. Yeah. And, um, so they're seers. They can see these demons. These demons have a master plan. And for what we know is they want Amy and Raquel dead because they could ruin their master plan of world domination, most likely. Um, Raquel understands what's happening first. Like she has, she's had a realization of it earlier in her life of what's going on and what she's seeing. And she's already kind of battling the demons on her own. And then she sort of meets Amy by happenstance. Um, when she's trailing a demon and Amy sees the demon and can see the demon because the medication she had been taking, which was blocking her from seeing the demons, she's been being weaned off it by her doctor. So now like the stuff is flooding back to her and Raquel clues her in as to what's happening. And she reluctantly decides that, okay, Raquel, oh, and then Raquel's like, oh, I have to go and see my psychiatrist now. So Amy's like, oh, she's just crazy like I am. Hence crazy head. But then when her roommate becomes possessed by a demon and tries to kill her, then she's like, well, okay, Raquel has something to this. And then we cut to now back to where they're trying to do a uh, exorcist, exorcism on her roommate. By peeing on her and then standing and, and then doing a chant. So and uh, burning a lock of her hair and cutting Amy's finger and smearing and blood, on her, blood on her head. Yeah, um, my favorite um, line of the entire episode of the first episode, and I wrote it down because I just thought it was amazing. I had to pause the show; I was laughing so hard. Is Amy says there's there's a noise and. I don't know who it is. It says, what's that noise? And Amy goes, it's foxes. Foxes are having sex. They have barbs on their dicks. It's a basic design flaw. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I had to pause it. I was laughing so hard when she said that. Because whenever Amy tries to make something up to cover what's happening or make up a cover story, it is the worst, absolute worst, most ridiculousness. Um, but I'm not going to go into how the relationship of Amy and, and Raquel unfold, what they actually are and everything, because you haven't watched it yet, John. Right. But I, I watched all six episodes already, and I just thought it was great. I'll, I'll be done this by the end of the week. Obviously. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. They're short. I mean, they go by really fast. Um, episodes one and two were quick. Episode three did slow down pretty considerably. And then four, five, and six are pretty quick as well. For those who need more convincing, um, a lot of the people on Geek and Sundry and Nerdist and such are referring to it as a British Buffy. And I can see that. It feels yes. Buffy-esque. The early oh, season yeah. of Buffy, like the unaired pilot and the first season type. Uh, same kind of cheeky humor. Very British, though. Oh, my God. Like, oh, it's uh, massively British. Like asking, Massive. you know, what's that knocking? It sounds like something's up in your boot. You're like, yeah. boot? Oh, he means trunk. Oh, yeah. No, it's a completely British show. So, like, you know, the, the vernacular they use is completely different. I mean, Amy's got this guy that's obsessed with her. It's like, he is just head over heels in love with her, will do anything that she wants him to do. And she basically is very dismissive of him. Yep. And yet he's still, like, an obedient little lackey. And whenever she needs real help with something, she calls him up because, uh, well, she knows that he'll do whatever 
And, and at one point, he even says that to her. Like, he says, I know this is what it is. I know this is what I do. But you notice you always call me when you need help. Yep. Um, there's a hilarious sequence. I don't remember which episode it's in between Amy and between, between Amy and, and Raquel's brother where he's, she's trying to distract him. And I feel like that's the second episode. It's and definitely it's just, not the first episode. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is fantastic. Really? <laughs> Again, it's her awkward trying to make excuses about things. It's just, it's great. It's a very awkward, awesome scene between the two of them. Nice. Uh, it's gotta be episode two. Um, but anyways, yeah, absolutely watch the show. Uh, it's good. Uh, I can't wait for the second season because it definitely ends with, you know, they're going to, they could potentially make more episodes Excellent. and have more seasons. Yeah. Uh, fun fact. If you go on IMDb and you look this show up, they have, uh, people who like this also liked. And the very first thing is Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Oh, nice. Uh, and Travelers is also on the list. Unfortunately, the OA is on the list, but I just don't get why people like that show. I don't either. I don't get it. I mean, uh, we've talked about it enough. Yes. Sorry. Nope, that's fine. Um, as far as TV shows, the only other TV show that I watched this week was Adam Ruins Everything. And it was, it was both a light and a heavy episode. It was Adam. What did he ruin this week? Uh, going green. So uh, some parts of it were good. Did you realize, here's a fun fact for you. You know the uh, famous commercial of the litter bugs and the Indian crying on the side of the road? That guy's not Indian. He's Italian. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Like he made his whole life based on that character. Like he would go do appearances and on and on and on. But much like Chief J. Strongbow, he's <laughs> Italian. Yep. Um, that commercial and the entire ad campaign of keep America beautiful was created by the big companies back in the 60s. Uh, yeah. Okay. So basically in the forties and fifties earlier than that, uh, soda and soft drinks and stuff came in the ultimate recycling bottles. Not like we have today, but basically it was like a metal bottle or can. And when you got done with it, you handed it in, they washed it out and refilled it. You know, that was the way that it worked. And then in like the mid fifties, the company switched over to disposable, you know, the plastics and stuff because they were cheaper, cut their yeah. costs amazingly. And as a result, nobody was, you know, handing them in. So they were just throwing them away. And we ended up with a lot of litter, a lot of refuse because there was just so much to throw away. And Vermont actually passed a law banning them because they were having a problem with the litter being all over the ground. The cows were eating the bottles and then dying. And of course, yep. Vermont needs their cows. They got Ben and Jerry's and they got cheese and stuff. Um, so the big companies, they named them. They were like Coca-Cola, Philip Morris, Dixie, um, a couple other ones. They created an entire ad campaign basically saying that it was individuals' faults that all this litter was around. It wasn't their fault for being wasteful and creating products that were, you know, disposable by design. It was our fault for throwing away what was supposed to be thrown away. And essentially blamed us all for it. And that's how it's been for years and years that we're the ones to blame, even though they're the ones that are churning out the disposable products. Right. Like Dixie cups, you know, yep. little tiny paper cups that you're supposed to use once and then throw away. But it's our fault. That's your fault, Mike, for having that Dixie cup and using it. It's not their fault for creating it. They're just making a product. 
Yeah, just because they make something doesn't mean I have to use it. That's right, you jerk, you litter I'm bug. The, I, I am. That's what I do. Yep. Um. Cool. So yeah. So they said you know the ad campaign created an entire green culture that blames individuals for pollution instead of the companies. Uh, then they had a little fun fact about how um, sometimes e-readers aren't the better choice to books because in some parts of the paper industry, like specifically books, uh, the forests where the trees come from are sustainable. So, you know, they cut yep. one down, they plant a new one. And if those places go out of business, if those paper companies or publishing companies or whatever go out of business, then the forest gets sold off, paved over, and turned into like a factory or a uh, neighborhood or something like that. So you actually lose trees. Did you tell your sister this? Oh, she was thrilled. She, she I was about to say, and, how? what was her reaction? Oh, she had a big old smile on her face. She's <laughs> like, ha ha. <laughs> See, uh, I myself would rather hold a book in my hands, a physical book where I'm physically turning the pages, than than read something on my my Kindle. Yep, a lot of people are like that. Yeah, I mean, I have a Kindle. I have a Kindle Fire Seven, but primarily what I use it for is I, I watch WWE Network, Netflix, Hulu, stuff like that at work. Um, I do have a couple digital books on there because, like for instance, this one book about New Japan Pro Wrestling, the Kindle version was four ninety nine. And any paperback edition is like mid thirties to forties. So it was, yeah, yeah. So that was a cheaper option, um, for me. But yeah, I, I'm with, I'm with Julie. I'd rather (laughs) physically hold a book in my hands. Um, he talked about electric cars and a lot of the arguments from this point on were the, um, trying to look at things on a macro versus micro scale. So basically he was like, Oh yeah, electric cars are good, but. You know, electric cars still need power, and the power that goes to the electric, you know, fuel pumps comes from plants that might be producing coal, uh, you know, might be burning coal or fossil fuels in order to generate the electricity that you need for your electric car. So you're still burning the fossil fuels in a roundabout way. Or the fact that the batteries for these electric cars aren't normal batteries, so they need rare metals, which means mining operations that rip into the earth, etc., um, same thing with, uh, oh, he was talking about how walking isn't always the best option because say you eat a hamburger and then you go for a walk. So your walk is being powered by that hamburger. But then if you look at it, it's like, uh, in order to get that hamburger, you needed to raise a cow, which means a lot of grain, which means farms to produce the grain, which means machinery, which means fossil fuels. And, you know, the math was like, you need to burn 54 calories of fossil fuel just to make one calorie of beef protein. Okay, I, I will not sit here and let him tarnish the good goddamn name of a hamburger. <laughs> All right, it, it's it's true. It, I can't uh, help it. Um, but he was also. It's the same thing with like uh, you know asparagus or like right now here in Maine. You know when you go to Hannaford and you see strawberries or oranges, you know, they yeah. weren't grown around the corner. This is definitely not strawberry season. So all the packaging and oh, gosh. shipping that involves getting it to us here in Maine. I saw a commercial the other day, uh, and it was basically it was and it goes right along what you said with the strawberries. It was this was about food waste, and it basically it showed like the strawberry growing. It showed it from the point of view of the strawberry essentially, mm-hmm. and it showed it like it being grown, picked, washed, packaged, uh, you know, put in a box, shipped, sent into a plant, repackaged, put on a truck, brought to a grocery store, into the grocery store in your car, in the car in your fridge, and then you put it in the back of your fridge and you forget about it, and then you take it out two weeks later and you throw it away. Yep. Like, That's how I do it. it. 
Yeah, and it was just basically like um, when you waste food, you're wasting more than just the food. Yeah. Because and it went through to like say you know like all the money and resources that went to getting that strawberry from where it was grown in California to your you know to your fridge in Maine type of thing. Yep. Or even like you know all bananas are basically grown outside the country and on and on and on. So Ooh, I got a fun thing about bananas too. Oh great! So when you waste food, you're 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 wasting more than just that food. There's everything that went into that to get it to you type of thing. Right. So, anyways, go ruin bananas for me. Okay. So, back in the – before the 1960s, uh, our bananas were actually sweeter and beefier and tastier. And had a lot more seeds in them. They were called the Gros Michel or Gros Michel uh, yeah. version because every commercial banana is a clone of an original banana plant. And they yeah. all come from the exact same – Plant. So every banana that you eat is from a clone from the same plant. Um, so we had these Gros Michel, and everybody loved them, and they were really tasty and really good for you. And then in the 60s, a, the Panama disease came through and completely wiped them out, made them extinct. No more Gros Michel bananas. It's, it's gone. Can never be again because of this disease. So they switched over to the Cavendish, be- yeah. specifically because the Cavendish can resist the Panama disease. And so now every banana that you eat is a Cavendish and it is less tasty and bland and it's, it's a banana. I mean, you know what bananas taste like, you know what they're like. Okay. So this is going to be odd to you or, or maybe not, but I actually think that the different banana name brands, they yep. taste different. It, like, I prefer Chiquita bananas over all other bananas. I specifically go to Shaw's to buy them occasionally because I do think they taste better. And I prefer my banana slightly on the green side. Okay. Because when they're yellow, that's actually when they're green is ripe for a banana. Yellow is when they're starting to go bad. <coughs> Just say. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, well, they're still, even though you taste a difference, they're all still a monoculture. There's all still a single clone off a single banana. You know, it's not like they're crossbreeding and trying to find different flavors. They're literally just genetic copies of the same banana plant. And now these Cavendish have their own disease like the Panama disease. And it's just about wiped out every banana in Asia, Australia, and Africa. The only place left that hasn't been touched is Latin and South America. And if the disease makes it over there, the Cavendish will be wiped out and we will not have bananas. That's terrible. Isn't it? Yeah. It, it's weird to think that a single fruit like that could be so affected by uh, extinct. Like it could be an extinct type of fruit. So I'm, I'm, because of what you're saying, I've, I've looked this up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm not going to say that Adam's wrong. Okay. I'm going to say Adam's wrong. <laughs> um, because I'm reading about the Gros Michel, also known as the Big Mike, literally Fat Michael in French. <laughs> and uh, apparently this banana is still around. It's not gone. No. Yeah. It's still around. Uh, and, but it's not shipped to the United States anymore. Um, it's it's very under continued use. The original Gros Show was a very was a variety of top export producing countries in Malaysia and Thailand, with great A bananas being exported to Japan, increasing to China. But apparently they they've they've managed to save it. It's still around somehow, and it's mainly mainly used 
outside of the United States. Excellent. But this, but this is the big thing. Okay. There's an urban legend that the artificial banana flavor tastes fake because it's actually intended to mimic the Gros Michel as opposed to the Cavendish. Interesting. Now, the only so fake banana like banana runts. I was just to say the only fake banana I can think of is the banana run, and it doesn't taste like a banana, but maybe that it tastes like a gross Michelle. Uh, what about like banana bread? You know, you get those powdered banana bread mixes, not the ones where you take yeah. like rotten bananas and mush them up, but like the powdered Betty Crocker. Do you think that that's fake flavoring? I don't know because I don't know. I don't buy that. My wife just uses bananas that. We purposely let them get bad, and then she uses those to make banana bread. But, I mean, you're right. It's not like we have banana soda. Maybe banana pudding? I don't know. The only artificial banana I can think of I, I've ingested in my lifetime is is uh, the runts. Uh, banana yogurt. I've had banana yogurt or strawberry banana yogurt. That's all. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Strawberry banana yogurt. All right. Yeah. I've had strawberry banana yogurt. That's true. I wonder if that's really the – and also, according to this – According to this, let's hear it. The uh, and Deo, the banana boat song, the Deo. six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch is a reference to the Gros Michel based on how they grew. Nice. So it wasn't yeah, just all for, about uh, bananas this week. On what did you watch this week? <laughs> it, it wasn't just for uh, tormenting people on Beetlejuice. That was that, that's a great song, by the way. Just no, it's not. Yes, it is. I, I don't like it. I've never been a fan of it, but you don't like the banana boat song? No. No, I'm not going to say that you're wrong. I'm just going to say that I was never a fan. I, I felt that it was very uh, repetitive and uh, just felt off to me. Something was wrong with it. But anyway, huh. that's just me. Oh, oh, oh is this okay? I'm learning something new. Yay! Chiquita bananas. Mm-hmm. It's not a Cavendish banana. Aha. Uh-huh. They're, so they're, 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 they are, they, they are, sorry, they are a Cavendish banana, but they are part of a, their, their line is called Grand Nain. Okay. So it is a separate from like other Cavendish bananas. Interesting. Huh. So it's its own species, if you will, or whatever. But if you watch how Cavendishes grow, they do not grow in big six, seven, eight foot long stretches. They grow completely different. Interesting. Wow. Adam Adam ruins everything, does usually generate a conversation on this show. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have a preview for next week. I don't know if yeah. we're on hiatus or what. Huh. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Well, that's all I had for TV shows. I still got a couple movies. What do you got? Um, well, the wife and I yeah, – okay, Vikings is supposed to be a very popular show. Mm, yes, I hear people all the time. Lots of hipsters and- like it. Yeah, and so we watched the first episode, and it did not hook me. Uh, we plan on watching a second episode at some point, but and I, and I didn't dislike it. It just didn't it didn't draw me in like I thought it would. But based on don't prove me wrong here, Mike. I just I said lots of hipsters like it. You I'm not like a hipster. Show. I know oh, Martin called me a hipster. You but are I'm not totally a hipster. a hipster, Mike. How am I a hipster? You are completely hipster. Have you ever heard yourself talk about wrestling with people? You're like, oh, excuse me. This person likes John Cena. They are not a real wrestling fan. Okay, I was all, watching I wrestling. Am, I, I am a self-proclaimed wrestling snob. I yeah. don't like about wrestling with people because I, I don't. What kind of beer will so, you drink, Mike? Maybe I am a hipster when it comes to professional wrestling, which <laughs> seems like a 
contrary statement, you know, hypocritical <laughs> sentence. Oh will. no, because you can be a hipster about music or, or anything else, but like, fair enough. Like, so didn't we just have about- a discussion about what kind of beers you will and won't drink? Beer? Yeah. Okay. All right. So whatever. I'm a hipster. <laughs> fine. About certain subjects. Okay. Uh, I guess when I think of hipster in my brain, I don't think of beard and flannel shirt guy, but it's whatever. literally oh, beard and flannel shirt literally guy. It. No. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it wasn't anything that we we're like, oh, let's watch the second episode now. Gotcha. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we're going to try it out. I, my uh, my sister-in-law, my sister moved to California uh, back at the end, right after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And uh, her and her husband and her friend had already been living out there for a couple of years. I don't know if I brought this up or not. But they – her friend got them tickets to the Ellen show. So they went and they were in the uh, Ellen studio audience. And I got to say, I've always wanted to be in a studio audience. You know, like I've been at TV wrestling, but I mean like for a sitcom or a talk show like that or something like that. I, don't know, I just would like to have that experience. Oh, yeah. So they were – they happened to be one of the bonus 12 days of Christmas gift recipients, if you will. Mm-hmm. So Ellen gave the whole studio audience like a bunch of stuff. One of the things that, that Emma got was a three-year commercial-free subscription to Hulu. Great gift. And Oh, yeah, yeah. And Emma has been piggybacking – that's the word I'm going to use – piggybacking on my Hulu account for like uh, four years now, right? So instead of creating her own account finally, she just put the code in on mine. She went in because she has my username and password to sign into stuff. So she went online, signed in, put the code in, added it to mine, and then just sent me a random text that said – Oh, hey, I won three years free of commercial free Hulu and I added it to your account. Um, they're supposed to send you a confirmation email. And I'm like, well, what, what do you mean you won it from Ellen? Like, so, that, you know, she didn't tell me anything else other than that. So regardless. So the commercial free started effective the end of my billing cycle, which was Christmas Day. And I must say, I love commercial free Hulu. Like, isn't it great? It is phenomenal. Like just the fact that I, I, I don't know. It just, it's enhanced the viewing. On Hulu, so much more. Um, I remember like, we we talked about that uh, yeah. weeks ago or something, and you were like, "No, I don't need that." Yeah, I was like, "I don't want to spend the four dollars a month. It wasn't yeah. worth the four dollars." But you know what? When my next bill comes on December twenty fifth, two thousand nineteen, <laughs> I'm gonna pay an extra four dollars. I think <laughs> it makes all the. You don't even realize it until you actually do it, but it well, makes not- all the difference. Watching wrestling, like I don't have, I watch Raw and SmackDown on Hulu because I don't have cable, and um, it was very frustrating because like it's a ninety-minute show and there's seven commercial breaks, you know, and that gets very yeah. It just it seems like it's like they'll do an entrance and then the commercials, or like you want to skip to a certain part but you got to sit through three minutes of commercials and on and on and on, and it is very annoying because you can't. But man. Just watching things continuously now, you can I can skip around on it, and I don't have to worry about oh I clicked back too far now I got to watch commercials again. It's awesome. It is awesome. That being said, I watched Shut Eye on Hulu. Have you seen this yet? I know we talked about it, but did you watch it at all yet? No, I'm not on mute. Anyway, so 
Uh, Shut Eye is a Hulu. Oh, I was on mute apparently. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, oh, that looks really good. Yeah, no, I have not watched it yet. Okay, so it stars Jeffrey Donovan. Yes, we're Jeffrey Donovan fans. I mean, Huge ever since Jeffrey Donovan fan. Ever since Blair Witch, Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows, even though that movie itself is terrible, I liked him in it. That's when I became a fan of his. You know, um, I liked him in he, G versus E. That's when I oh, first liked him. What, in G versus E? Yep. Is that okay? Um, Touching Evil. Yep. I thought that was a great show that got cut short. Yep. Great USA Network. But they did good with Burn Notice with him. Oh, yes, they did. So anyways, basically... Um, I've watched the first five episodes so far. I can't remember if there's 10 or 12 in this season, but I've watched the first five episodes. Um, I actually recommended it to my wife. She watched two today. We watched episode three together tonight. So I've now watched that one twice, but that's cool. Uh, basically, Jeffrey Donovan is a failed Las Vegas magician. Uh, he becomes a psychic scam artist in Los Angeles, running a series of different type of psychic business, whether it be palm readers, tarot card readers, crystal balls, whatever. He owns a bunch of different shops. Uh, essentially, he reports to – he and his wife report to uh, a gypsy family. Uh, basically, it's like ba- – basically, the way this show demonstrates it is you have this gypsy family. Fonzo is the, the de facto head, but really his mother runs everything. And – it's essentially swap out Italian crime boss with, with gypsy mm-hmm. leader, if you will. And that's kind of how it's run. Like he runs all the psychic stuff in Los Angeles or whatever in that surrounding area. And if anyone wants to do anything like that, they have to go through him. And so Jeffrey Donovan essentially, you know, they came and set up shop and then they learned the hard way, which we only learn about this through dialogue, but they learned the hard way that they have to report to Fonzo. And so basically that's kind of what the, what the show is about. I mean, like I said, he is a, 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 a psychic scam artist who is very good at reading people, telling when people lies, uh, getting clients, bilking them for money. And I've always uh, dreamed about being that kind of person. <laughs> uh, his sister works for him in, in one of the shops and essentially in the first episode she does something that she's not supposed to do there's a gypsy term for it and I can't remember what it is but she does something that she's not supposed to do the gypsies find out about it and she has to be punished for it and oh they punish her it's disgusting and then quite violent and uh yeah uh, essentially, I don't want to give away too much if you haven't seen it yet, John, because I really think you will love this and you need to watch it. It's definitely but, on my – it's high on my list of things to watch. I think you need to – I think it needs to be bumped to the top. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean it's – I've like I said, I watched five episodes last night. Wow. It was dead at work. I mean it has been busy the last several nights, but last night uh, my 911 phone rang one time. Is uh, dead really the word that you want to use for your job as a 911 operator? Because of our twisted sense of humor. To <laughs> that we, that I'm we, just uh, thinking we, of we, these, these sensitivities we, we do, of our we audience. We do use the word dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, uh, it, it, I, I really, really like it. It's TVMA. Um, there's some violence, there's some cursing, there's a little bit of nudity. Um, 
essentially Charlie and his wife, they have, they have a kid together. Um, they are definitely not the picture perfect idyllic family, but they work very well together in scamming people out of their money. You have Fonzo, the, uh, the mob boss, gypsy mob boss type guy who is, he's almost Tony Soprano ish in the fact that like almost, I feel like every time we see him, he's eating. <laughs> nice. You know what? I, like, it's, every time you see this character, he's eating, or he's going to be eating, or he's fixing himself a plate. I mean, it's amazing. Um, but he doesn't take shit from anyone, and doesn't have any problems just whacking a guy if he feels like it. Whacking, uh, it? whacking a guy, killing him, killing a guy. So it's 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 good. It's good. Yeah, it's good. I liked it a lot. Can't wait to check it out. You definitely need to check it out. I will say this one thing. There's an incident that happens where where Charlie uh, – something happens to him and basically he goes from being a psychic scam artist who actually starts to have visions of the future. Oh, nice. And he, he actually starts to have visions and it's not crystal clear. It's not cut and dry. It's almost like he gets clues of something and he goes to see this doctor to try and figure out what's wrong with him as well. And it's, it's good. It's really good. It's really well done. Like, like, yeah. So five episodes in, I love it. I can't wait to finish watching it. How I'm going to be slowing. I can't remember if it's 10 or 12. Okay. I'm going to be, sl- I think it's 10. It's 10. I'm okay. going to be slowing down. Because now my wife wants to watch it, so we're going to watch it together. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's great. I cannot recommend this enough. Excellent. Yeah. Definitely a big hard sell from Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should definitely watch this and not watch the movie called Traded on Netflix. <laughs> so what's the name of this show that you're pushing again? Shut Eye. Shut Eye, for those who are paying attention. Yeah. Shut, Shut Eye. Eye. Yeah. It's a Hulu original and Jeffrey Donovan, and yeah, no commercials makes it even better. Because <laughs> you can see where they kind of fade out sometimes to go to a commercial. Yep, it's it's huge because that's the thing is you know with Hulu they're very regimented commercials. You know on normal TV you might get like seven, eight, nine commercials. You know you might get the same commercial two times in a row, which sucks. You get local commercials which switch your HD to regular standard definition. It's yep. just it's a shit show. But with Hulu you'll get like two to three commercials. They're the timer's right on there, so you know how long they're going to be. So you right. really don't feel like it's that bad until you yeah. try it the other way. Yes, yes. Like you said, it's, and sometimes though, but with the Hulu is like, you'll get like a US cellular commercial and then Oprah loving bread commercial and then something else. And then you'll get those same three commercials on the next commercial break. Yes. And that can get boring. Um, yep. the absolute worst is the History Channel app. That's when we watch Curse of Oak Island on it. Oh my God. They literally have like 15 minutes of commercials during this 45 minute show. <laughs> and they'll cut to commercial break. You're like, add one of seven. And one time they played the same ad seven times in a row. Wow. I mean, they play the same ad multiple times or multiple times, but usually if it's like there's six ads, they'll play maybe one, three or four times in a row and then something different. No, no. One time they played the same 15 second spot seven times in a row. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, the who, the history channel app is horrible for that. Good to know. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Um, I guess that's everything new for me. I have a trailer I want to talk about, but then I just really think we need to talk about Rogue One. Finally. All right. Well, I, uh, I watched a couple of the movies. What'd you watch? I watched, uh, 
Ex Machina. I had never watched this before. And I watched it the other night on New Year's because, you know, that's my social life. I went over to a friend's house and we watched Ex Machina. Um, and it's a very good movie. It's low budget. You can tell that, you know, it, it all takes place in one area, you know, one cabin in the woods, basically. Uh, have you seen the movie? I have, I have not. I can't, okay. I'm trying to even pitch my brain what it's about. And um, I'm having trouble. It's got Alicia Vikander. Uh, it's got, a blonde guy, he was in uh, a movie called About Time where he could travel back in time and kind of Groundhog Day himself. Uh, it was a British movie. It was Well, it was an Americanized British movie, and it was really good. It was a romantic comedy type thing. He was going after Rachel McAdams. Bill Nye was his dad. And, uh, yeah, he could basically, like, go in a closet, close his eyes really hard, and travel back in time and redo days as he saw fit. But anyway, it's him, and then it's uh, Oscar Isaac, you know, Poe Dameron. And Poe Dameron has invited this guy out to his cabin in the woods, and they're there by themselves, except for you find out later on that there's also a uh, woman who doesn't speak English who's some sort of Oriental, and she's his house servant girl. He essentially is a genius programmer who has written an artificial intelligence, and he brought this guy out here to be the Turing test for her. And Alicia Vikander plays the uh, Ava, the AI, and so he brings the guy out here for a week and wants him to sit down and talk with her and see if she passes the Turing test, You know, which essentially is if a person is communicating with a computer, or in this case an android, and they can't tell whether it's human or computer, then it passed the Turing test. You know, because computers, you can fool them, you can put them in logic loops, you can crash them. Um, they might not be able to elaborate or um, uh, improvise when you ask them different questions. So it, the Turing test is a, it's just a thought process type of thing. <clears throat> Alan Turing coined the phrase. Uh, but anyway, so it's an interesting movie. It's a bit of a thriller you know, because there's some mysterious power outages going on and he's not sure what the motivations are here. Oscar Isaac is a very um, uh, eccentric man who likes to drink a lot and get very drunk and sometimes blackout drunk. But he monitors everything except for when the power goes out, then the cameras go down and then Ava can talk like she's not being watched. Like she seems to realize when she's being watched and when she's not being watched. Uh, it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, the ending was hold, a little... Hold on a second real quick. Yeah. So essentially he's like, hey, come to this cabin, hang out with this girl for a week, and I'm going to secretly watch you. Yeah, but he knows... And the person's just like, all right, cool. Yeah, well, that's the thing is because it's such a cutting-edge AI. He can see like the the effects on her are really great. Um it kind of reminds me of when we saw Dolores in Westworld in her earlier form, you know, where it was like the wireframe and then the flesh head. So he knows that this is an AI. He knows that it's an android, but it's given female form-ish. You know, it's got flesh in certain areas, like on the face and on the edge of the arms. Um and she'll dress so up how, in clothing to look but how how can they do this touring test to see if if he can clearly see that she's not human, then how is the test 
that's that's what he asks him in the beginning. He's like, you know, normally a Turing test, I wouldn't be able to see her. I would just be able to talk. And Oscar Isaac says, no, if I just gave you her voice, she'd pass for human very easily. There's no way. I need you to be able to look at her and see that she's an android and talk to her and see if you still feel that she has consciousness or if she is just a program. Because she's so advanced. Oh, okay. uh, think about, like, data on Star Trek. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That makes more sense Yeah. Now. Yeah. They actually addressed it right off. And so he wants him to interact with her and see basically things like, you know, find out if she likes you. Do you like her? You know? And so, right. you know, when she starts saying things like, you can't trust him, we need to get out of here. Then you start wondering, and he even asks, he's like, did you program her to do this stuff? Or is this her acting like that? So it kind of becomes a mind freak at that point. Yep. I was yep. careful. Um, at, at that point. And uh, the ending was a little bit off the mark for me. Uh, it turns out that he only invited this guy up here for a week. I'm not giving away the ending. I'm just saying that, you know, it's, right. he invited him up here for a week. And then after a week, he'll, he's going to, you know, tweak the programming. And then eventually he'll invite somebody else up to do the test. You know, he's trying to perfect it, but in very controlled circumstances. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. uh, it, it is a good movie. You know, they talk about the singularity and when the AIs are finally going to rise up and how they will leave us behind. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I strongly recommend this movie. It's very good. You should it's, watch that format. It's on Amazon. Okay. You can watch it for free on Amazon Prime. So, okay. Um, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. And, <coughs> The, uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum. So instead of high thinking and science fiction, I also yeah. watched Office Christmas Party this week. Yes, this is what I've been wanting to hear about. This movie is exactly what you think it is. Like, if you've seen a preview for it, you've already decided what it is, and it is exactly that. It is Perfect. funny. It is crazy. It is bizarre. Um, but each... Each actor or actress has their own character that they play, and their personalities are well fleshed out. Kate McKinnon does an amazing job as the overly uptight, anal-retentive HR person. Um, then there's uh, oh God, Rob Caudry, who, of course, he always plays the over-the-top kind of guy, and he's the guy who absolutely hates everything in the office, especially the HR manager and her goddamn rules. And so every interaction with him is literally him just like blowing up about everything that he hates and everybody that he hates. Uh, Jason Bateman, of course, is he does the, that well. Oh, he does. Um, yeah. Jason Bateman is the mellow, uh, deadpan, dry, but he's like everybody's so he's, friend. So he's Jason Bateman. Yeah. But everybody in the office likes him. He treats all of his employees good. You know, he's the second in command under TJ Miller, who is just as insane and crazy as you think, except he's also got a heart of gold. You know, he's putting up his own money to try to save the office because he really likes the employees and it's his dad's legacy. He really wants to keep it alive because it would make his dad proud. Uh, Jennifer Aniston is his sister who was made interim CEO of the whole company and she is a hard-nosed, tough-as-nails biatch. Yep. Uh, Olivia Munn doesn't get a lot of play in the previews, but she actually has a big role. She's the uh, main computer IT girl slash hacker. And I don't know why people hate on her so much. I thought she did great. It was a great role yeah. for her, and um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Courtney B. Vance 
<laughs> in here. And, uh, he gets messed up on a lot of cocaine and alcohol. And it's really no, funny to watch him get messed up and knock a tooth out of his head and be smiling with a bloody stump where his tooth used to be. Uh, but basically, yeah, if you've seen a preview for this movie, if you want something that's just going to make you laugh and have a fun time and be absolutely ridiculous. Okay. The actress, I can't remember her name. I never can. 22 Jump Street. You with me? Yeah, I know. Yep. You remember the girl who was the roommate, the blonde girl? She kind of had like a piggish face. Like she was prettyish, but she had like a piggish face. See, now all I can think of is that, um, uh, anyways, I can't think of her name either. Go ahead. She was, it turned out she was the daughter of the villain and she was the, you know, primary villain at the school in 22 Jump Street. But anyway, she's in here as a pimp. And oh, she's funny. a riot. That girl is always a riot in every role that she's in. And she, she's not a heavy set British girl, right? No, no, no. But she looks kind of like Rebel Wilson. Okay. All right. All right. So that's all I can think of was Rebel Wilson. Yeah. No, she looks kind of like her, name. but not yeah. really. Okay. All um, right. but yeah, she's in there as a pimp, does a great job. It, it's an enjoyable movie. If you just want something that's funny. As Kelly said when we walked out, she was like, that is definitely not going to be like best picture of the year. Oh, no, 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 no. No. But that's not why I went to it. I went to it because I wanted to laugh. I wanted to have a 21 Jump Street kind of experience where yeah. I went into it knowing it wasn't going to be anything phenomenal, and it did not disappoint. It was funny as hell. I would go yeah, see it again. Oh, wow. Yep. Nice. Yep. I really enjoyed it. Well, I look forward to checking that out when it comes out on home video. Absolutely. <sighs> um, I watched a trailer called The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Okay. And basically, it's a horror flick. Okay. And this woman's killed. Her name's Jane Doe. They don't, you know, no, I, that's what they're going with. <laughs> that's on the birth certificate. No, no, it's just that's, they have no identification, so they go Jane Doe, of course. She's brought to, I think it's a funeral home, but they're doing an autopsy there, and I find that odd because you don't do autopsies at funeral homes, but whatever. Anyhow, um, but she's brought to a funeral home where an autopsy is conducted by the uh, director and his assistant, and they essentially discover that she was ritually murdered, and there's some weird thing playing on the radio, that somehow it, it, everything loses power when it comes back on. She's gone, and all the other corpses are gone from their draws. And essentially, it's now a reanimated corpses attacking. It's weird. It, it's not. It sounds way cooler than I'm describing. Just go watch the trailer. It looks pretty decent. Again, okay. it's called the Autopsy of Jane Doe. All right. Yeah, it's it's really different. I mean, the mortician and his assistant. You know, they're hunting them down, trying to kill them for whatever reason. We don't know. Obviously, there's a lot they're not revealing in the trailer, but it does look really good. Gotcha. So, did you watch any trailers? No, nothing new. Everything, nothing was, new. A, everything was a rerun. I haven't seen any good new trailers, except for that one for uh, Class, the Doctor Who spinoff. Right. All right, well. I think we're at the part of the episode where we're finally going to talk about Rogue One. And so if you haven't seen it yet. Then it's your own fault. Then you should just stop listening now. If you haven't seen it yet, then there's something wrong. I mean, it's been out for like three weeks. It's dominated the box office for three yeah. weeks. If you haven't seen it, then you obviously don't want to see it. Pretty I'm much saying. anyone that listens to this show 
probably has seen it, I would assume. Yep. But if you haven't, you need to. Or if you don't want to get spoiled, then stop listening now. They are all killed. (laughs) So, big ruiner, if you continue listening, even after the warnings, every character you see in the trailer dies. They all die. Yep. That's a, that's an accurate statement. All of them makes sense because <laughs> it's something we had talked about. We had talked about that leading up to going to see. It. It's like we don't see these characters at all in any other Star Wars movie. It takes place literally moments before A New Hope begins, so they all have to die. Well, they didn't have to. They could have been, would, you know, doing something else. You know, it's right? Like, it's just, like Mon Mothma. Where was she during uh, Empire? She was there in Star Wars or, or New enough. Hope. She was there in Jedi, but you know where was she during Empire? Who knows? Fair, fair enough. But it just it doesn't make sense for like oh, Jane Urso, the main character. You know she's not going to be. She can't unless she's been hiding through those three movies and then suddenly is going to appear in Part Eight. I just I don't see that happening. But especially after getting vaporized by the Death Star. But anyways, yep. <laughs> um, I really like this movie. I loved this movie. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, I've heard from it. multiple different people. I've heard everything from, you know, uh, I didn't really like it that much, but I'll go see it again. Yeah. Uh, I went with somebody who said that, who said, you know, yeah, I had some problems with it based on the movies. Uh, one of his big problems was he felt that in A New Hope, you know, Vader is on Tarkin's leash. You know, he's... Uh, Tarkin's lapdog, as Leia calls him. And uh, in this one, it felt like he was more of a force to be reckoned with, like he was already in control. And I said, no, if you really watch it, you know, Tarkin says things like, you know, Vader will take care of the rest of the fleet. Just leave it to him. Yes. He, yes. He's already calling the shots for Vader. Yes. Tarkin is – Vader is acting on Tarkin's behest in this movie. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yes. so that person watched it a second time with me and said, you know what? I really liked it a lot better the second time. My uh, buddy Root who normally has problems with everything, really liked this movie. Excellent. Yeah, yeah um, he really liked this movie. <laughs> my friend in Florida sent me a message that just said, I just watched Rogue One. It only took them 40 years to finally make a movie that explains why Darth Vader is so feared. <laughs> yeah. Thought, That's exactly true. A lot of the things I read online were like, boy, it really reshapes how you look at, especially A New Hope. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, just, like it really, not, it kind of fills in those holes that were left open between three and four. Because mm-hmm. in the title crawl for A New Hope, they say that the rebels just had their first major victory. Yeah, and we got to watch it. You know, it yeah. was it was not a major victory, as in like, oh, we're all celebrating afterwards. Most of them died. But oh yeah, the victory was the fact that they survived long enough to get the plans off the planet. And, exactly. and that they yes. stood up to, and it really makes when and when a new hope opens, invaders on a ten out of ten as far as rampage and rage, <laughs> it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because you're kind of coming in cold to that, you know. It it just makes a lot more sense because the gap between uh, uh, three and four was huge. You know, was huge. And it doesn't, you're right, you know, it doesn't make sense as to why Vader was the way he was or why he was so feared. Yeah. Because we're just meeting him at the end of three. 
and yeah. it hasn't been established. Yeah, we get but, him um, screaming when he gets the armor first put on and it's done. Yeah. And right. then I guess he shows up in a couple of the little shows like uh, Rebels. But, you know, when we see him in A New Hope, of course, that was shot in the 70s. So it's all kind of subdued. Like he has some some minor badass moments. But even well, the fight with Well, he kills the guy with his bare hands at the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know. and, and he force chokes, you know, some of the Imperials. And, you know, him and Obi-Wan have a kind of lame lightsaber fight. But Yeah, by comparison, yeah. But, yeah, do. compared to what we saw at the end of this movie – and yeah. him just going super saiyan on everybody. In oh the my show. god, that whole scene where they're he comes out of the darkened hallway corridor or whatever and what you see first is his lightsaber power up and yep. then he and you see him glowing in it and then he steps forward and then he just starts just wrecking people. I mean, yep. wrecking and, the rebels and doing it in a varied way, you know, at yes. first he's like deflecting blaster bolts like crazy. Then he starts deflecting the blaster bolts back onto the guy shooting. Then yes. he holds up his hand and just yanks every gun out of everyone's hands. Now, he did that to Han on yes. Bespin, but that yes. was just one gun. This was like five blasters yanked right out of their hands, throws that one guy up in the air, pins him to the ceiling, walks by, stabs him. him in, cuts him in half. Yep. Takes another guy, just tosses him into a wall. I mean, like, he just, oh, man. His saber went through a guy and then through the blast door that was jammed yes. up, yes. opening the blast door. <laughs> it was awesome. Like It, it was he phenomenal. Wrecked some stuff. Yep. Wrecked some stuff. Um, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you want to break the whole movie down or even feel the need to, but like, I'm just going to go with our, our theater experience when we went, you know, you and me and, and my son, Kanan, who turns 11 this, uh, this coming month and is a huge Star Wars nerd. Um, I was very proud of him when you asked him what he thought of the movie and he gave you his breakdown in the van on the ride home. Yes. Like, I was just like, he's only, he's only going to be 11. Like, <laughs> the way he was talking about it, I was so proud. I was beaming with pride. Um, but no, like, when the movie opens, we don't get a crawl. Nope. And, and we that don't was get the like, traditional music either. No. And you were just like, what? And people yeah. around us were everyone, there was react, like, I, even I was like, I wasn't vocal, but I was like, where's the crawl? But you could hear everyone was vocal through like, what? Where is it? You know, and, mm-hmm. It was just funny, like the girl that was sitting on the other side of Canaan, every time you saw some little nuanced thing, she was like marking out for it. Yeah, speaking of which, I still owe your son like a pop in the shoulder for uh, cock blocking me on that. (laughs) I told him if a cute girl sat down next to him that we were switching seats and he just kept his ass right in that seat. Never (laughs) even offered to help me out. He goes like, I don't think so, Uncle John. Yeah. And then. And then when a cute girl actually sat down next to him, I was like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. Not just that, but she was more excited than the guy she came with for this movie was wearing, like, a football jersey that said Star Wars and on the back 77. Yeah. I I thought the guy that she brought had fallen asleep at some point. I mean, I've never seen the scenario where the girl drags the guy to a geek movie like this. And then – was going nuts for it, like yelling yeah. out at the same things I'm yelling out at. Oh, yeah, your son's on yeah. my list. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. No, you – fair enough. You gave him fair warning. Um, but, yeah, we don't get the crawl at the beginning. We don't get the traditional music. But, man, the music we did get was awesome. It made it its own movie, though. It made it its own movie, but at the same time – 
Yeah. There were so many elements that were ripped directly from a new hope in the best way possible. You know, oh, yes, the, the yes. blue glowing neon screens that they used uh, in the base, the, the technology, uh, yes. the technology, you know, instead of being flashy and shiny, like it was in the prequels, which is so stupid since they took place, you know, decades before a new hope. It doesn't have that shiny polished look to it. Right. You know, we got, got DOS screens. Pretty, yes. DOS screens, the big square buttons. I mean, the technology looked the same from a new hope. Yep. Um, it was just, it was so well done. I think one of the things I had read and I, I agree with the statement was it wasn't, this movie wasn't a, it wasn't a start to another trilogy. It wasn't start to any more sequels. It was, they had a beginning and middle and end and that was it. So they were able to encapsulate what they wanted to a little better because they weren't setting up something for the future. Right. That future was already there. Yep. They were there. You know what I mean? So like everything they did, like there was a finality to it. You know, like when we watched The Force Awakens, they're setting up for more movies. They're yes. setting up for the future. So you got all the and questions you, of what are they going to do next? Who's this person going to yeah. turn out to be? You know, how's this going to happen? And unlike most prequels, because this is the first prequel I've ever seen where they take all the questions you may have had in the previous movie and they answer them or they make it or explains it better or whatever. I mean, like, I just in a seamless way. Yes. It's such a masterfully phenomenally done way. Yep. It never felt forced. It really just felt like it almost felt like this was a fan movie. I kept thinking that like this was one of those fan creations where they get together in their backyard and they're like, this is what we think the prequel should have been. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a very good, very good analogy of what it was. Cause they literally like people have sat down and, and shown the crawl of a new hope and said, look at how it matches up. You know? Yeah. Oh, there it are does. a few things that were a little bit different, but they're not even worth getting into. Um, yeah. I, I felt that there were, of course, it wasn't perfect. There were some parts that I felt dragged on a little bit or didn't necessarily need to be there. Like the bringing of the rebel, uh, the imperial pilot before Saw's people and then putting the bag over his head and taking him to Saw and then Saw interrogating him with that stupid voice. I don't know what Forrest Whitaker yeah, did. Yeah, that was, that was dumb. Did, did they give him free reign and say, hey, we want this guy to be big and beefy and burly, but, you know, talk like he's been kicked in the nuts his entire life? Maybe. Yeah, repeatedly. Yeah, I know. I agree with you there. It didn't make much sense. And, and then the interrogation by the tentacle monster in the in the pit there i don't know yeah, what again, the point it of didn't was make that much sense. because Saul Guerrero had said at one point like it essentially alluded that either this was going to kill him or make him brain dead for the rest of his life yeah, but we'll it, the it, truth. there was really there was really no long term damage i felt like that guy suffered nope he just kind of sat there like stuttering for a while in his cell yeah and then they show the pilot and he's like i'm the pilot yes yes i'm the pilot yeah, there was some short-term issues, but otherwise, yeah, it really wasn't, uh, yeah. But yeah, I just felt that that whole thing almost could have been a deleted scene. You know, we didn't really need it for what we were getting into. Yeah. Agreed. Um, it was hard to tell time in this movie. You know, so for instance, uh, when we meet up on, uh, Jeddah, you know, we've got, Saw's men taking the rebel, the Imperial pilot. Now we just heard that the Imperial pilot defected and that he was being held by Saw's people. Then we see him getting taken to Saw's people. Then we see Jin and, and Corso like landing on the planet and yep. they're going to go 
find the Imperial pilot that was just taken there, but we already knew about from a while back. And they get there and we see, uh, they will always to me be, uh, Pignose and Scott. Uh, yeah, that's, but the that's little, even the note I wrote down here. <laughs> the, the little cameo there of the two guys who picked a fight with Luke and, uh, you know, yeah. Scott lost his arm to Obi-Wan's lightsaber. But, yeah. you know, we see them walking through the streets and picking fights again. But then you know that, you know, a little later on, the planet's blowed up. You know, yeah. that city that they're walking through is annihilated. So they yeah. must have gotten off. So enough time had to have passed for them to get to their ship. They didn't look like they were in a hurry to get to a ship. Well, the planet wasn't, planet wasn't blown up, but that city was destroyed. The they city that they were in was destroyed and everything yes. around it. I mean, it reached yeah. across to Saw's hideout. I mean, essentially what we got was they used the Death Star as to deliver a super atomic bomb. Yep. Like they didn't, they didn't pull up the full power to annihilate the planet and, and destroy the planet. We didn't get to see the, the power of this fully operational death. Star. Exactly. All we got to see was like a preview of yep. what it can do, and that's essentially what it was. Jetta. They destroyed Jetta basically to show, hey, see, this is just a sample of what the Death Star can really do. Yep. So, but yeah, it, it made it hard to tell the time, is what I was getting at, because like. You don't know yes. how much time passed where they were captured right. in the town square and they were taken to Saw Guerrera. And then we find out from them that, you know, just we see them get captured and taken to Saw's hideout. And then Saw's talking about how, you know, oh, I got this hologram and you should watch it. And meanwhile, up on the Death Star, they're like, yep, we've evacuated the entire city. It was bustling. There were yeah. a lot of Imperials down there on that uh, in that city, getting the kyber crystals out of the temple, getting shot yeah. up. They just got shot up and attacked by the rebels, and they're not going to like send out recon crews. They're like, no, let's wrap it up, guys. We got we got homes to get to. We'll leave this for the right. cleanup crew later. I mean, yeah, there are some some holes in there, like you were saying. Um, but I mean, all in all, I just I didn't hate anything about the movie. Nope, me either. That's the biggest thing. Yep. I don't know. There's just so much awesomeness in it. Absolutely. You know, with the little cameos we got and then Alan Tudyk as uh, K- K2SO. Okay. <laughs> hilarious. Just absolutely hilarious. It's almost like it's an Android version. It is an Android version of, of, of Batista's character from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Um, I can't think of his name right now, which is terrible. Oh, uh, Drax the Destroyer. Drax the story, yeah. It's it's basically Drax the story as an android. The way he says things so matter of factly and and directly and everything. It's <laughs> we'll die in the vacuum of space. Well, yeah. I won't. Well, I won't. Yeah, I exactly. <laughs> Congratulations, you've been rescued. I mean, just yeah, yeah. He had some great great lines. In the <laughs> I'm movie. here for you, Jin. The captain says I have to be. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but no, I mean, it's we get to see. I, I, I know we're jumping around a lot, but you know we get to see Jimmy Smith as Bill Organa. We get to see Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma. Mothma. You know James Earl Jones returns for the voice of Darth Vader, oh, and um, the red rubber mask. Uh, sorry, it's not a red mask, but it's the rubbery mask from A New Hope with the yeah. red eyes. Yes, yeah. I mean, even like Darth Vader's costume, outfit, armor, whatever you want to call it. It didn't have that, oh, we're going to make it look all sleek and shiny new and sparkly because we can. We have the technology now in 2016. No, they were like, we're going to make it look as much as we can like a new hope. Mm-hmm. Um, 
You know, we get the cameo of R2-D2 and C-3PO. I mean, they did such a great job, like, essentially tying, wrapping a bow around everything that was left open-ended before New Hope. And even, like, you know, oh, we're also going to, you know, we're acknowledging the Phantom Menace in this as well. Yep. Uh, not the Phantom Menace. Um, episode 3. Yeah, Revenge of the now. Sith. Revenge of the Sith. You know, we're, 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 we're acknowledging... That as well, you know, with Jimmy Smith's character and everything, and you know, just like, do you have anyone you can trust? Oh, I trust her with my life, and and, yep. and just I don't know, like I I can't I'm, I don't want to sound like a gushing schoolgirl, if you will, but that's how I feel when I talk about this movie because I just like it so much and everything they did with it. Absolutely, I've seen it three times, and yeah. I have not yet come out of the theater like, oh my god, I'm bored of this now. Yeah. Um, oh no. There is a few scenes we see in the trailer that we don't see in the movie. The one glaring one to me is at the end when Jin is up on top of the satellite trying to realign the shield thing to send the Death Star plans out. And that TIE fighter pops up while she's up there. Yep. That's not in the movie. No, nope. It's in the trailer. Not in the movie. There was also one where uh, her and uh, everybody else, they were running across the beach with the plans, like trying to get back to the ship to escape. Yeah. And uh, that wasn't happening. You know, yeah. running through the halls of the uh, the archive. Yeah. With the plans. They shifted gears completely. You know, when they originally wrote this, they planned on them living. They planned on them having roles in other things. And they ended up going back and reshooting it all. And when the marketing guys got a hold of the footage that they had, they said, Oh, we love these shots. We want to put them in the trail. And they're like, yeah, but that's not in the movie anymore. They, those scenes will never be in there. And the marketing guys were like, we don't yep. care. They look good. They'll sell the movie. So, I mean, that makes sense. Yep. That's what yep. marketing does. We get, uh, uh, gold leader, Dutch Vander and yes. red leader, Garvin dries, you know, they're used. I, apparently, from what I've been told, there was unused archival footage of both of them from A New Hope that they used to have them in this movie. Yep. We see how, We even you got know, some audio. <laughs> when he yes. was like, gold leader, making ready for your approach. And it's like, ah. Um, we see how Luke Skywalker is able to become the uh, Red Five because yes. he's, he's killed in this movie, leaving that, that spot open for Luke Skywalker <laughs> taking A New Hope. Uh, you know, um, it's just, it's... There's so much that's great about it. Um, one of the things that, you know, when we first saw him on screen, you can really tell the CGI that's in there. But afterwards, later, later you either get used to it, you don't notice enough, and that's Tarkin. Yes. Because Graham – go ahead. I was going to say that's one of the points of contention for a lot of people, and it's yeah. not like a make or break. It's not that there are people out there that are cursing the whole movie because of it. A lot of people didn't like it. Yeah. Um, I'm in the other camp. I, I'm in. I'm in the camp. I loved it. Yep. I mean, you know, Peter Cushing's family or state or whatever state. gave him yep. permission. Yep. It didn't change the character. No. It didn't you know what I mean? Like it. It. It wasn't. They didn't bastardize anything with it. It was amazing. I mean, Guy Henry is the actor that did the the motion capture for. Um. Grand, no, not even the mo. He did the voice. That was his voice as Tarkin. Excellent. Like he sounds that much like him. I mean, that's that's what it was. that was his voice as Tarkin. Like he he acted the role out, did the whole thing, and they just afterwards they CGI Tarkin's face or yep. Peter Cushing's face onto Guy Henry, and but that's his voice. I mean, this and it was done so well, and it needed to be done that way. Yes, because you have this character that's introduced 
um, and Orson Krennic. And he basically is the guy that, you know, he, he built the Death Star. Like that was his baby as far as, as doing it, you know, with the, with Galen Urso, who was reluctantly doing it. Yep. And Tarkin essentially said in this movie, he's like, Oh no, I'll be taking it over. And it's like, well, how come he never fought back? Oh, I see. Cause he's killed later on. Yep. So it makes sense. Um, well, he was down on, on the planet when they, when they nuked it at the end of the movie again. Right. Um, I don't know. There's so much I it, liked about it. It was another <laughs> example. It was less so than Vader, but it, it still was another example of a character that we meet in A New Hope where, you know, Tarkin was supposed to be this badass, you know, oh, even Vader falls in line behind Tarkin and, you know, Leia was like, oh, I should have known it was you. We're supposed to believe that this guy's like the creme de la badass creme. Yeah. And it kind of got fleshed out a bit more here in this movie because we get to see what kind of a jerk he was and what he was willing to do to these planets and his own people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He wiped out his entire research planet there the, the archives all the of archives. his soldiers as well yep. just to clean up some loose ends yep no that's exactly what he did um you know i remember gareth i read a, i listened to an interview with gareth edwards and one of the things that he loved about um return of the jedi was the the battle on hoth the ground battle they had. And wow, that's amazing he, because they never had that in Return of the Jedi. I'm not Return of the Jedi. Um, Empire, sorry, Empire. <laughs> Dick. Anyways, uh, the the ground battle on Hoth and Empire, one of the things that he loved about it was that in his mind as a kid, he remembers it being like this giant 20, 30-minute sequence, and it was like five minutes Yeah. in, in the actual movie. So he's like, so in this movie, I'm going to have a huge ground battle with the Adax and and everything else, and that that was great. It was a really like trench warfare type thing that they had going on down there. Yeah. Um, this was the ahead. most war movie like Star Wars movie that I've ever seen. Yeah. Like yeah. the Star Wars movies have always been like uh, character studies. They've been action. They've been damsel in distress, hero coming in to rescue, etc. Even when the damsel in distress was Han and Leia was the hero coming in. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, uh, they've always had a lot of high fantasy mysticism to them, but they've always really lacked that, uh, trench warfare kind of thing. You know, the, yep. the real battle that was going on that made you realize that this was an actual war between the Empire and the Rebellion. You know, we got a little yes. bit with the Ewoks. A I don't bit. consider that, uh, like acceptable yeah. compared to what we got here. Yes. What we got here was, there was a lot of killing in this movie. Yes. Same thing with like the Genosian pits where they were fighting the, uh, you know, the Jedi versus the Genosians and the, the droids and stuff. Uh, yeah. This was human on human. This is what made it like that much more palpable. It wasn't Gungans yeah. fighting droids. It was real people fighting real people and yeah. dying. You know, the, yeah. I liked it a lot more. Yeah, it was definitely more of like a, a war movie than any of the other Star Wars movies. And war is in the title, so I mean, yeah. it's expected. But I mean, because there's no there's no Jedi's in this movie other than Vader. Yep. Who you know there was no you know there was no there was that only the one lightsaber scene. Yep. But it makes sense because no one else would have a lightsaber. You know, yep. you had the purge uh, happened. Do- they were dead. Exactly. You have Donnie Yen's character, which it's, you know, I, I can't, I can't pronounce his character's name. Sure. Like, 
Chihuahua, okay. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, does he have the force? I mean, you know, does he not have the force? We really don't, we really don't know. I mean, he is a guardian of the wills. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does like to say, you know, like, I'm one with the force, the force is me a lot. So it leads you to believe that there, maybe he is, he does have some of it that, or he's very lucky at times. Um, but the only, yeah, but there's no Jedi's in it. So it is definitely, it's just human on human. There's no elaborate animals that I can remember. You know what I mean? Nope. That are in the fights or anything. It's all just, oh God. And like, what about, okay. So the ad act who takes the like rocket launcher to the face <laughs> and essentially the machine's head turns and then looks back up at him like, yeah. nope. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> even that was just like, awesomely done yes and humanize that giant machine if you will right because when we last saw them they were marching on the the hoth troopers and yeah. they were fighting against um snow speeders you know yeah luke went up there and and sliced in and tossed a thermal detonator and blew one up on foot but for yeah. the most part this was you got to see that fear in their eyes yeah. when they saw them coming out of the mists and it was like holy crap Yep. We gots to move. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I want to talk about. Uh, I don't know, it was just, there was just so much awesomely I loved about it. The, I mean, uh, I'm not. The deaths of the characters all seem to have class to them. Yes. I don't feel like there was, there's, where was that movie? There's this stupid, uh, House of the Dead movie where everyone sacrificed <laughs> themselves to a ridiculous level of like, why right. did they just do that? Yep. As opposed to this where it all, it all quote unquote made sense. Yeah. You had, you know, K2SO was, he was a bit of a sacrifice, but it was more that he couldn't move from what he was doing, you know? Yes. And so he just kind of accepted what was happening and then sealed yep. them in there. Um, you had, uh, God, I can't remember his name, but the pilot, uh, Bodhi, you know, yep. he, Put out the distress call. He had completed his mission and then somebody chucked a grenade in there. He, he, it wasn't like he just stood up and, you know, opened his arms and said, okay, now somebody can shoot me. You know, he was like, no. okay, n- now what am I going to do next? And they tossed a grenade and he was like, oh, and then boom, uh, yeah. Chawat went out there when nobody could get to the, uh, communications relay and Cause they had to, they had to turn the communications relay on. So the satellite would then broadcast the death star plans. Yep. And he got yep. out there and he succeeded and he missed every blaster bolt. And then they blew up the thing behind him and he was caught in yes. the explosion. Um, yep. his guardian, uh, Bo Baze, Bo. Yeah. Yeah. Another, another good name. Yeah. Yep. He <laughs> basically knew that. It was over. He knew he was going to die. Like yes. he was outnumbered, outgunned. His friend was down. He was like, all right, I might as well just go take as many guys as I can. Yeah. You know, so they didn't. And then of course, Jin at the end there with the captain and on the beach, yeah. knowing that they couldn't do anything to stop it. It was yeah. beautiful, but it wasn't a, oh, I will sacrifice myself. It was just, yeah, we've come as far as we can. Yeah, they've done everything they can. They got the plans out. The plans are up on the, you know, up on the rebel ship. And then the Death Star enters, you know, pops into Scarif. Yep. And Tarkin does not hesitate. No. You no, know, not at all. He's, he's like, you know, fire at the base. Yep. And he does. And Krennic is still like at the top. And he, and that's the other thing too. Krennic can see his creation. Mm hmm. Like from he's down on Scarif and he's looking up and he is almost like the moon coming up, if you will. He can see the Death Star roll in and you can see in his eyes. He knows like, oh, yep, 
shit. Actually, there was one sacrifice that was, when you watch it, they completely sacrificed themselves, and that was the crew of the Hammerhead Corvette that yes. drove into the Star Destroyer. Yes take out the other Star Destroyer and take out the shield Exactly. Because yep, they followed it true. all the way down. I've watched it every time, and they followed yep. it to the end. So they sacrificed yes. themselves. Yes, they did. They absolutely did because they were – but it was all for the greater good. Yep. It wasn't – but it wasn't a useless sacrifice no. or mindless sacrifice. No, 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 it no. was another one of the scenes of like, you go on. I'll stay here and fight them off when they clearly don't need to. Right. You know what I mean? That, and that was the thing. And then – Even when the after, admiral called it in, he wasn't like, you know, you guys are going to have to – they were ready. They were like, yep, that's yep. our orders. We're going to do it. This is war. Exactly. And they did it. And and then, <laughs> you know – um, Jin and Cassin embracing there down on the beach yeah. or just sitting on the beach. And you're essentially, it's almost like they're watching the sunset or the sunrise or I don't know what you want to call it as the shockwave is coming at them to essentially obliterate them. Yep. Um, even that's just like a, they embrace each other in a way. And it brings a tear to the eye because it's like they've done, they know they got the plans out. They succeeded at what they decided essentially was a suicide mission to begin with. And they succeeded at it, and it's like you know they've accepted what's about to happen. Yep, exactly. And it's a touch. It's a. It's all a very touching scene. And when you think about all these deaths and everything that happened in the movie, it really gives you pause when you read that opening crawl, and on, on a new hope. And then you hear later on they say like a lot of people gave their you know a lot of good people gave their lives for these plans. Yep. You now have names and faces and actions put towards that one sentence. Yes. So it, it changes. It really does affect that a lot more. Yes. Um, but the way they did it was so good because it wasn't just as simple as, oh, we got the plans on the ship and now we've all died and roll credits. No, no, no. It's, oh, the rebel fleet's going to jump to hyperspace, but oh, Vader's there with the flagship attacking them. And, and then they have to get the plans, you know, keep trying to get them down this hallway. And then finally they pass them to princess Leia. Yep. And I loved, cause we always hear it, it was, again, it was another one of those questions that we've kind of been asking, but never got an answer. We always hear about the people, you know, they're worried about the hyperspace calculations. You know, oh, we've yeah. got to calculate just right. Or we might jump into something. It, we got to see, the opposite end of that, when the rebel fleet was getting ready to hyperspace jump out, they're like, okay, yeah. you know, we see like four or five of them. And then suddenly Vader's super star destroyer just warps in and they ping off him like flies, like they were getting yeah. ready to jump. And now they're hitting him and just falling out of the sky. And yeah. that was great. It wasn't just like he appeared off in the distance and they were like, oh, well, you know, we got to get away from him. He just right in the middle of it. Bam, 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 bam. Loved it. Excuse me. Yeah. And uh, they get the plans to Leia, and it t she turns around, and, you know, she says, you know, hope. And it's I th that is, um, from what I read, that is Carrie Fisher's voice from when she was in From A New Hope or something. Nice. Um, and then, you know, her ship takes off. Yep. And when as her ship pulls out of sight, you know, you see Vader's like angry and he's going to go after her and then you roll credits. And then, the, you know, and then if you go pop a new hope in, the first thing you're going to see is that ship coming on after the crawl and Vader right behind her. So it's just <laughs> Princess I mean, that Leia was, was coming back from getting space groceries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that was just amazing. Yep. You know, it, it, the way they tied it together like that. Um, 
Yeah, it was. It that was, was the part that blew my mind the most. Like I tell everybody, yeah. I knew going into it that it took place before A New Hope. I yeah. didn't know that it took place ten seconds before A New Hope. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like that, and yeah, no, and, and it was, it was a brilliant way to do it, in my opinion. Like not, I loved how they did it. Not since the Back to the Future movies. Can I remember being that excited about something that tied in like that? And even then, those were just yep. like, we pick up right where it left off. And yep. other movies have done it since then, but that was one of the first ones that really got me like that. You know, a sequel yep. that picked up the moment it left off. Oh, and, yeah. And to see a the prequel yeah. do that. Yeah. Just floored Again, me. Again, I can name several prequels that I've seen that just don't do – the predecessing or what would become the predecessing films just films justice like Rogue One did to A New Hope. Yes, I agree completely. Because Jin's message, you know, about why we need to do this is, you know, rebellions are built on hope. And yep. You have to have hope. Although she did co-op and that from Cassian. Fair enough. He said that to her. So True. Fair enough. But still, I mean, but that's that's the message of the movie is mm-hmm. you have to have hope. And then the next movie is called The New Hope. I mean, because yep. she gave the, they she and her and everyone that sacrificed themselves gave, you know, the rebels hope by getting those plans. Yep. And then the biggest glaring thing, even when I was a kid that I didn't understand is why did they make the Death Star? All you had to do is shoot that one spot. The whole <laughs> thing explodes. Yep. They explain it. Yes. And now it makes sense. Oh, because Galen Orso built the Death Star, not because he wanted to, but because he had no choice. And if he didn't do it, someone else would. And then he could do this and he could build that, that, that weakness, that weak point in it, you know, the trap, if you will, in it and hide it while he built it. And so it made sense. Yep. Made perfect sense. That is something that people have been asking for years, joking about, you know, making funny videos about. And they put it to rest. Again, Gareth Edwards, J.J. Abrams, fantastic job. Way to go, guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely am going to go see this again in the theater. There's no doubt about it. I may. I mean, I've seen it three times, but. I'll let you know when I work out when I'm going to go. But, yeah, I mean, I saw – I've only seen two other movies in the theaters twice. So I'm just not big on going back a second time. That was The Force Awakens and the uh, second uh, Robert Downey Jr. uh, Sherlock Holmes movie. (laughs) I actually saw that in the theater twice. Nice. So, yeah. But um, I don't know. Is there anything else we want to talk about on, on Rogue One? I think we covered all of it. Yeah, I mean, like, we don't need to break the whole movie down beginning to end. Uh, right. But, uh, yeah, I just, there's a lot I loved about it. Like, learning about the kyber crystals, that that's how the Death Star's powered, that that's what the, the lightsabers are made of and everything. I mean, that's, I mean, all those little things like that. I mean, it was just, it was cool. Right. Yeah. Cool. It was a great, great movie. But, sadly, this last week, basically, you know, oh. we lost Harry Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. Yep. You know, and it was just like, really? Like one after another like that? One after another, day after day. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it's really sad. Um, I guess Carrie Fisher had finished all her filming for episode eight. So we'll get Princess Leia in episode eight. I'll be curious to see. They have plenty of time to figure out what they're going to do, but how they're going to go from eight to nine. Unless 
her character's killed off in eight. We don't know it yet, obviously. Right. Um, but it's just, it's just really sad. I mean, uh, she was only, she was like 60, 60 or 62 or something like that. 60. So yeah, so not old. Nope. Not old by any standards whatsoever, but, uh, I know a lot of people like keep, I keep seeing it on Facebook, people blaming 2016 for all the people that we've lost this year. Uh, and all different levels of entertainment and, and society and whatnot. But man, it, it has been a heck of a year for that. It really has. And I'm glad it's 2017. I know it's just another day on the calendar. I know that, you know, it's not like walking out of a door and closing it behind you technically, right. but it's nice to have that illusion of a fresh start. It really is. I mean, cause you're starting over from one, yep. one, one. 2017, so. I'm uh, still writing 2016 because it'll take us all a while before we remember. I know. When I, where I work, you know, basically I worked on New Year's Eve to New Year's Day and, you know, you're doing paperwork for this or that and you have like case numbers that are 16-0193254 and then 17-00001. It's like oh, I gotta try to remember this now. <laughs> nice. Um, so real quick, I know I'm springing this on you last minute or not last minute. Or I didn't preface this with you earlier, but it is the first episode of the new year. And if you had to pick a favorite movie or favorite few movies from 2016, what do you have any idea what they would be? Not at all, because. It, just like with the people that we lost in 2016, when you go back and look at the list, you're like, oh, that's right. That was this year. Yeah. So, I mean, off the top of my head, I could definitely say that Rogue One's right up there. Um, oh, yeah. And, yep. of course, there's no way that my list would be complete without putting Deadpool on there. Deadpool was amazing. I, yep. I, six times in the theater. I've watched it countless times here at home. Yep. It's just so good. Um, but aside from that, I'd really – I'd need to dig into it. So you're a lot like me. You just can't say, oh, well, because you got to break everything down mm-hmm. in your brain and you got to weigh one against the other. And well, it's like those people it's, say, it's too tough. my favorite movie is, and I'm like, you're wrong. No. You Why do you have a favorite, favorite movie? movie? Yeah. I, you could say, oh, what's your go-to movie? Yeah. Well, for right now, it's this. Like in 2012, my go-to movie was Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I watched that movie too many times that year, you know? Yep. I haven't watched it in the last couple of years myself. Nope. But it's still awesome. I, it's still an awesome flick, you know. Um, definitely one of my all-time go-to movies is Evil Dead. Yep. I love that movie, the original, but I can't, that's, I don't, I don't think that's my favorite movie of all time. Maybe it's my favorite. It's one of my favorite movies. Right. But I don't know if I could ever definitively pick a number one. Like, I no. just, I don't, I don't have that in me. But some really great movies I enjoyed in 2016 were like, you know, Deadpool, Rogue One, Doctor Strange. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I did really enjoyed all those movies. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. It'd be too hard for me as well. Same thing if you try to pick a TV show or a series of shows or whatever. Right. They all have their good and bad merits. Oh, absolutely. Some <laughs> more bad than good, but. Some way more bad than good. <laughs> Well, do you have anything else you want to cover, go over? You know, I don't think that I do. Well, I'm going to say that's a show then, I guess. I would agree with you. I think it's safe to call that a show. 
Perfect. Well, thanks for listening to episode number 42 of What Did You Watch This Week? Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us, please feel free via our, our, our numerous social media devices, such as the uh, the Facebook page for the show, or you can reach us on the Twitter. I'm at SuperstarML. I'm at the Quantum Geek, G33K. And the show is at What Did You Watch? And thanks. Thanks, everyone.